17th August on the Skids. Posted 18th August 2022. That was some episode. Truly standout performances from Max and Aidan in particular as Ben tries to get Lewis to face up to what he's done. Although with something like that, contrition is very much lacking. Just a warning that there's quite a bit of discussion about rape and sexual assault in this post. We pick up where we left off the previous episode as Ben approaches Phil and asks for the gun. Phil and Sam both try and talk him out of it, but Ben points out that they brought Lewis here in the first place and now they want to stop him from making him pay. Phil manages to convince him to speak with him outside for five minutes like it's a business meeting. He wordlessly gives Sam the gun to keep Lewis there while he leaves with Ben and although horrified, she does what she's told. Outside, Ben asks Phil why it matters who pulls the trigger believing that it had been Phil's intention the whole time, rather than something he was dragged into by Sam and then provoked into doing by Lewis. Phil explains how it was Sam's idea and that he hadn't planned to go off on Lewis, but he just lost it at the things he was saying. But he's glad Ben walked in and stopped him. Seems like growth to me. Phil admitting that it's not the right way to go about things, even as Ben stands in front of him and says he wants to do it. Ben wonders if Phil doesn't want Lewis to pay, considering he's normally all for revenge, and it feels like a lingering bit of doubt there that Phil really meant the things he said at the hospital about how much he cares about Ben. He tells Ben that of course he wants Lewis to pay, but he doesn't want Ben to pay more, be that the effect on his psyche or the prospect of prison time. Ben explodes in frustration then as he tells Phil through gritted teeth that he's got no idea what Lewis has done to him, what he's cost him mentally and emotionally. The violation and the taking away of Ben's power and who he is. It's a very specific form of violence that is utterly devastating in the way a physical spur-of-the-moment attack isn't, because it's a twisted form of an act that's meant to feel good, and it leaves the victim with questions and doubts about their own conduct as well as the perpetrator, which is what we've seen from Ben. And now he wants Lewis to feel that powerlessness, strip him of who he is. He gets caught by emotion at that point, breath coming in bursts as he tells his dad that he wants to make sure Lewis can never have that power to do that to him again. It's not just the rape, it's the gaslighting and the manipulation that so thoroughly messed with Ben's head and made him question who he is. Hearing that from Ben, Phil agrees to let him choose how to deal with the situation, promising to have his back whatever he decides. And so Ben returns to the room and gives Sam the nod to hand over the gun to him, which she does. Then she leaves meaning Ben and Lewis are left alone. But Ben's got the gun now, and he lets Lewis wonder whether he's going to shoot him. Phil and Sam's bickering continues outside, as Phil demands to know how Ben found out that they were here. Sam lets slip that her wingman was Zack, and Phil's incredulous that of all the people to pick for backup, she chooses Sharon's brother. They really get into it after that, talking about family, and Phil referencing the drugs once more that nearly cost Ben his life got to love a good old-fashioned family therapy session outside a warehouse that's housing a rapist and his victim that has a gun. Callum is still caught up in Stuart drama as the warehouse scene continues. Callum and Vi appear to have filled Karen in on what's going on, the funeral arranging and whatnot, and they're not only worried about the cancer spreading, but about whether Stuart might do something stupid. Unpredictable, as he is. They decide to split up and look for him around Walford, so Callum trots off to the park. Turns out Stuart wasn't anywhere they looked, and the three of them turn up back at the flat to chaos, clothes strewn everywhere. Callum hears a noise from the bedroom and grabs a vase, gesturing for Karen and Vi to get behind him. Truly valiant behaviour. 
However, it's only Stuart, and Callum yells at him in surprise. He doesn't have much time to be relieved his brother's turned up, though, as there's still the question of what on earth he's doing. They're all concerned, watching Stuart throwing things into a bin bag, things like the toaster and a cheese grater. Vi tries to stop him as Callum pleads with him to come and sit down. Callum brings up the funeral list and the coffin plaque, and Vi asks him if he's had bad news. Stuart says he has. Very bad news. And of course the rest of them are thinking it's the cancer. Vi asks if it's terminal, and Stuart muffles a chuckle before telling her yes, it is. Stuart's dark humour is ever-present. They all naturally take that to mean the cancer is terminal, and are all very upset as a result of this. Callum's devastation is quieter, as he asks how long Stuart has left, sounding very much like a scared little boy about to lose his big brother. However, Stuart's response that he's got about 40 years left brings them back into confusion again. As it turns out, Stuart wasn't talking about the cancer being terminal. He got the all clear on that, but rather his life. And that really tells you what you need to know about how he feels about being alive right now. Back to Ben and Lewis, and Ben's taken a seat across from him. He starts describing one of the many dreams he's had about this moment of confrontation, about how he's battering Lewis with an iron bar, a violent, bloody attack that leaves blood everywhere. But to demonstrate what he means about dreams twisting out of your control, he then reveals that in the dream, Lewis's face changes into Callum's. It's Callum's face he's destroying. A dream that's just as heartbreaking as the one Callum had when he didn't realise it was Ben on the other side of the door. My interpretation of Ben's dream is that it's a physical representation of the ever-present idea that Ben's not good for Callum, that he'll destroy him without even meaning to. And it's mixed in with the rape as well, as if bringing Callum into the situation after what Lewis has turned Ben into will hurt him unnecessarily. It's essentially a self-loathing dream, as if Ben didn't do enough of that when he was awake. Lewis tries apologising for what happened, that it broke Ben and Callum up and caused Ben psychological damage, but like before, he doesn't clarify what it is, and it's all rather blasé in nature. And of course it is, because Lewis is still clinging to the idea that he did nothing wrong, and what he's saying now is just to appease the guy with a gun pointing at him. He says if he could go back to that night and change it how he played out, he would. But it's still evasive language, talking about things happening rather than the things he did. Ben notices this too, and wants Lewis to spell it out for him how exactly things played out. Lewis clearly doesn't want to, but Ben insists. He wants to hear it from Lewis's point of view. True to form, Lewis starts off by highlighting all the things Ben did that pointed to his intent. Messaging him on the app, turning up at the bar, being in a state about Callum, wanting to get drunk and wanting to flirt. He stops there to ensure Ben acknowledges all of that, which Ben does, but there's more. More redirected blame onto Ben as Lewis recalls he suggested Ben go home while Ben wanted to go upstairs. He keeps pausing, resulting in Ben continuing to push him along. And that's probably because he knows there's a point where things change and the fault lies entirely with him for what happened. He tells Ben that he fancied him, which isn't a crime. Yeah, that might not be, but that's not the crime Ben's getting at here. Lewis then suggests that Ben fancied him too, and that he was ashamed of that. A callback to Lewis's claim that Ben woke up guilty the following morning. And it hits a nerve with Ben, who orders him not to tell him how he feels. Because Ben didn't fancy him, not really. It was all part of the manipulation from Lewis that had him presenting as someone who understood Ben. And that's what was attractive. Ben wanted to be known, 
and Lewis pretended to be that person and then abused the trust he'd gained. Ben insists Lewis carry on recounting what happened, and it's funny how the tables turn, isn't it? Lewis doesn't want to carry on, but Ben is forcing him to through the direct threat of a gun aimed in his direction. With great reluctance, Lewis does so, still managing to relinquish any blame by saying he was turned on, as if prepping to defend what happened next. Then he puts what happened down to sexual incompatibility, because Lewis likes it rough and Ben doesn't. The some guys do and some guys don't was our first clue that this probably wasn't the first time for him. It's probably a version he tells himself to allow himself to sleep at night, but he knows what he did. There's no ignorance here, just deflection and gaslighting. Ben doesn't allow him to end it like that and suggests he try again. When Lewis expresses hesitance again, Ben moves closer. So close that he's right into Lewis's personal space, gun pressed against his chest. He ultimately wants Lewis to admit that he heard Ben say no and ignored it. And with all the power now, he gets Lewis to nod his head to confirm that he did hear him. Ben forces him to continue with what happened next. Lewis's continued attempts to reinforce the idea that it was mutual wash over Ben because Lewis can't get him to doubt what happened. Ben knows what happened. He just wants Lewis to admit to the crucial part. It takes a lot of prompting from Ben, but eventually Lewis admits that he ignored Ben's request to stop and carried on. He knows what Ben wants him to say, and with Ben right up close, gun still pressed against his chest, the fear and, dare I say it, a tiny bit of self-awareness and shame wash over him, and he says it. He says that he raped Ben. And Ben's expression in response to that seems to shift into one of disdain and disgust at how pathetic it is. He stands up and aims the gun at Lewis again as he continues sobbing. Cry more, Lewis. Meanwhile, Callum's still trying to talk to Stuart as he bangs things about in the kitchen. Callum tells him he's not making any sense, and Stuart fires back that life doesn't make any sense, and surely Callum knows that by now. He continues to implore Stuart, telling him that the three of them get how bad things are for him, but they're all here for him and want to help. As we have grown to discover, though, Callum is not a patient man in any shape or form, and as soon as Stuart snaps at Vi to shut up and leave him alone, he's right on Stuart's case, telling him off for talking to Vi like that. Yet Vi gets free reign to say what she likes to everyone else. Make it make sense, Callum. In the end, Karen is the one who gets it. She likens it to Keegan setting his food van on fire, tearing things apart when things go bad, trying to make room for something new. But she points out that you can't grow a new heart, nor can you rush healing. Wise words. She reclaims the kettle from Stuart's wrath and suggests they have a cuppa, while Vi convinces Callum to leave the pair of them to it. In the warehouse, things have calmed since Ben squeezed that confession out of Lewis. Calmed to the point where Lewis is starting to wonder what Ben's waiting for. If he's going to shoot Lewis, then go ahead. Ben tells him that he doesn't think Lewis actually gets what he's done. And he's right. Either Lewis can't grasp the gravity, or he refuses to, because it's the only way he can get by. He tells Ben he didn't think it was that big a thing. And whether he believes that or not, it's certainly what he wants to think. But hearing that nonchalance from Lewis gets Ben wondering whether he's done this before. Lewis tries to defend himself by pointing out that the complications of sex, that it's messy and about power and control, but none of that is true. But hearing what Lewis thinks sex is leads Ben to realise that he has done this before and hasn't realised just how much damage he's caused. 
because sex isn't complicated actually. Either you're both in or you're not. Lewis saying that no one's complained before is a chilling admission of guilt because it means he knows that it's happened, but the power dynamic has ensured that his victims didn't speak up. Ben thinks that Lewis doesn't get that what he's done is assault. And when Lewis insists that he does see it, Ben dismisses that, because of course Lewis would say that while he's looking down the barrel of a gun. The rest of the time, he's walking around like he's carefree. Another callback to the day after the rape, when Ben stared at Lewis in shock as he lied to Callum's face, cool as you like, then hung around on the square for another few weeks as Ben fell apart. I guess the question is whether Lewis gets it, and if he does, whether or not he cares. Doesn't sound like he's ever been held accountable for his actions. Lewis denies that he's carefree and tells Ben he's got demons same as him, starting with a dad who disowned him. He's been shamed, beaten and rejected too. Boo-hoo. But Ben asks, how come he's not a rapist despite having similar demons? That's when Lewis brings up the Walford attacker thing, comparing it to what he's done, which is as good as admitting that it's him getting off on power. But it's not the same. Ben and Lewis are not the same. I said earlier that physical violence isn't the same as sexual assault, and we actually had the show make that clear in Monday's episode, when Phil was talking to Keeble. She was all sarcasm about the idea of Ben getting attacked, but when Phil clarified it was rape, her demeanour changed and it was suddenly a serious matter and she was genuinely sorry about it. Ben attacking homophobes was him trying to take power back that had been taken from him, like the situation he's in now. It's not about selfish gratification the way Lewis's actions were. Not to mention he wasn't well at the time either and lashed out due to fear of being attacked first and dying, of Callum dying, just like Paul. He's not like Lewis, and he says that to Lewis. Lewis appears to concede, but he tries a different tactic where he brings up Callum and how he's never had someone who loves him like Ben and Callum love each other. It riles Ben up who yells at him that he and Callum are over because of what Lewis did. And that little tear that drips down is devastating. Lewis says he's sorry, but Ben's not buying that, because it's not true. Of course Lewis isn't sorry. He knew what he was doing. It was subtle, but he fed the mistrust to both Ben and Callum, and promoted the idea that they weren't compatible, dripping poison. Ben sees that Lewis wanted to break them up, jealous of them from day one. Lewis's non-committal maybe is basically confirmation of that. Ben tells him that he and Callum would have been fine if Lewis hadn't come along, but Lewis points out that they were already on the skids by the time he arrived. And indeed, his first episode was the same episode that Callum got the offer to do the poster campaign, something that terrified Ben. And Lewis picked up on that tension straight away. And because of that, he thinks he's got a handle on their relationship. Ben argues that they were strong and had gotten through stuff before, something Lewis wasn't around for. And who knows? Maybe they would have gotten through the Walford attacker period without that interference from Lewis, because that went pretty far back. In fact, the second he was introduced to Ben and Callum, he was encouraging the poster campaign in the face of Ben's clear discomfort. However, Lewis puts Ben's conviction about his and Callum's strength into doubt when he points out that Ben hasn't told Callum what happened, what really happened. Ben tries to bluff, but in doing that, he's opened himself up to the implication that not telling Callum is a sign that they weren't strong. And Lewis can tell that he hasn't told Callum, and can tell he's faltering. Lewis capitalises on his gotcha moment with Ben, taking that perceived truth and adding to it by telling Ben that he didn't break Ben and Callum up. Ben did. He voices all of Ben's insecurities that have never been properly addressed. 
about how there's something in Ben that's dark and that he and Callum don't belong together because Callum is good and Ben is bad. That's what Lewis does, reads people, and then says exactly the right thing to have the desired effect. He says Ben is bad, just like him. Not just doing bad things, but being bad and not being able to do anything about it. Ben is not bad like Lewis at all. But Lewis has made his argument sound convincing and Ben has nothing to say after that. He starts laughing without mirth and then aims the gun at Lewis's head, full of rage and devastation. The fact that Lewis stares back at him, holding his ground, makes it seem like what he just said is fact and he's not taking it back. Even with a gun at his forehead. Manipulative till the end. Sam and Phil hear a gunshot outside, just as they're patching things up. Inside, we see that Ben didn't aim it at Lewis after all. But for a moment, I hope that Lewis thought he was dead. He motions for Lewis to go, and that he does, stumbling out just as Phil and Sam come in to see what's going on. Ben tells them that he just gave Lewis a scare, and he's ready to go home. Back at the Mitchell house, Phil and Ben have a talk where Ben admits what Lewis said to him, that he was the same as him. And Ben didn't shoot him because he thought that would be proving Lewis right, exerting his power for a moment of satisfaction. He tells Phil he wants to be better, as if he's got something to prove. He is better, but he gives himself no credit for it. Lewis took away his choice to be better the night of the rape, and now has reinforced to Ben that there's an innate badness in him that he has to protect people from. He tells Phil that he has to report Lewis to the police, despite the fact it goes against what they stand for. Obviously, he's unaware that Phil tried to go the police route on his behalf on Monday, and he's worried about Phil's reaction to his decision. Phil tells him that getting justice that route isn't going to be easy. And Ben acknowledges that. But he has to try. I dare say he's thinking about the fact that there are others, and that even if nothing comes of his own report, it might add weight to other people who come forward. And he wants to do things the right way. The better way. It's incredibly brave of him, but not surprising considering he's shown immense bravery this whole time. Phil approaches him, and Ben looks away flinching a little as if he's scared Phil's going to start shouting at him or worse. But instead, Phil tells him he's proud of him. He's trying to be better too. And gotta say, he's done pretty well this week. Ben's emotional at hearing that from Phil and goes in for a hug which Phil reciprocates. Ben clings to him, the duff-duff ending on his pained little face. A pretty pivotal episode for us there. Ben might have gotten a confession out of Lewis, but there's a lot of healing to do and Lewis's words in the warehouse may have set him back before he even gets started.